are continuing uh, with our teaching series on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and we are in Matthew 6 uh, today, which is a section in which uh, Jesus talks about how we are to live out our faith not in order to be seen by men, but in order to be seen by God. Um, as, we, as we move our way to, to actually looking into the passage, I want to begin by making an observation. Uh, And that is that there is something deep within us that earnestly desires to be seen as impressive. It seems to me that there's something that, that, that lurks within me and most of us, or all of us, that earnestly desires to be seen and thought of as impressive. Uh, We desire to be impressive morally, to be thought of as a good and upstanding and dependable person. We desire to be impressive in regard to our resumes, what we have done. Uh, We want to be seen as capable, intelligent, accomplished, perhaps. We desire to be seen as impressive intellectually, uh, thought of as being able to understand complex ideas or uh, impressive in regards to our service. If we are not careful, we can also desire to be impressive spiritually, to desire to be thought of and seen by others as spiritually mature, spiritually wise, spiritually gifted, spiritually able. If we harbor this desire, we find that we start doing things, even good things like praying, reading the scriptures, serving others not to please God, but in fact to be seen by others in order to build an impressive reputation for ourselves. As we encounter Jesus' teaching in the New Testament, we repeatedly see that Jesus is deeply concerned with this bent of our heart to seek the approval of men. Indeed, some of his harshest words in the entire scriptures are found directed against religious hypocrites those who perform religious practices not for the love of God, but to bolster their own reputation. In the passage we are looking at tonight, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus takes up this issue and teaches us that true religious practice is not directed towards the praise of men, but directed toward God alone. Uh, If you have uh, a Bible with you, feel free to open it up to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read. Uh, verses 1 through 6, and then skip over, uh, skip over the Lord's Prayer, which will be treated subsequently uh, next week, and go to verses 16 through 18. Uh, so let's begin. Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now skipping to verse 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, please pray for me. Uh, pray, yes, please do that as well. But uh, please pray with me. Um, Heavenly Father, we ask now for the illumination of your spirit as we read your word. Uh, we pray that the, the meaning that you are conveying would be clear to us, Lord, and would not remain simply in our minds as we hear the preaching of your word, but would penetrate our hearts and indeed change us, that we might become people who are characterized not by a desire to, to uh, serve and good do, do good deeds in order to be seen by others, but indeed we pray our motivation would be to serve you and to love you and to enjoy the deep reward of your delight on our lives. Uh, we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, so here's my outline today, uh, and it follows closely the order of the passage, so I hope it'll be easy to follow along. What I want to look at first is what true religious practice is not. What true religious practice is not. Second, I want to look at what true religious practice is. What true religious practice is. And third, I want to look at the reward that motivates true religious practice. So what true religious practice is not, what true religious practice is, and the reward that motivates true religious practice. Let's start with number one, what true religious practice is not. The first observation we make um, begins right at the beginning of the passage uh, in verse 6-1, and that is that religious practice, again, is not motivated by a desire to be esteemed by others. In verse 6, we see, as a, in a kind of summary statement in the very beginning, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will receive, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus then goes on to unpack this in, the view of, in view of three practices, giving to the poor, praying, and fasting. Each of these was considered and practiced as a pillar of Jewish religious life in Jesus' day, and each of these are things that Jesus desires us to engage with as well. You'll note that Jesus does not so much as command that his followers give to the needy, pray, and fast, but he assumes that we will be doing these things, that we will desire to do these things, which is why he says, thus when you give to the needy, thus when you pray, thus when you fast. I want to say a quick word before we jump into the meat of this about fasting, since it's not as commonly emphasized in, in some evangelical churches today. Um, it is, however, very present uh, as a theme in Scripture. Uh, and so I'll give you a, just a brief definition of, of fasting. I, I've heard it described this way. Um, fasting is a voluntary abstinence from food or drink or any ordinary function 
for the sake of spiritual purposes, especially the purpose uh, to draw near to God. Fasting is, is abstaining from food or drink or some ordinary function to, to, for spiritual purposes, especially to draw near to God. That is, that is what fasting is, for those of you who are un, unfamiliar with that. Uh, what then does true religious practice look like, whether it's fasting or praying or giving to the needy or, or otherwise? Uh, in regard to giving, Jesus says, uh, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Very similarly, in regard to praying, Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Likewise, in regard to fasting, Jesus says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. In each of these cases, Jesus shows his followers what true religious practice looks like by first pointing out what it clearly is not. It is not the kind of religious practice that is tailored to look impressive in the eyes of the world. It is not the kind of religious practice that many of Jesus' followers probably likely associated with the truest and highest forms of religion. Uh, Namely, it's not the kind of practice that is expressed that it was expressed by some of the visible leaders in their day uh, who gave to the poor while making a big uh, deal about it, who prayed loudly and with many words in order to draw attention to themselves, or who drew attention to the virtues of their suffering while they fasted. In other words, it is not the kind of religious practice that majors on those things that are seen by others and minimizes acts of devotion that are faithfully carried out in secret. In short, it is not motivated by the desire to be observed, by the desire to be acknowledged, and by the desire to be praised. Those who are motivated by these ends, Jesus calls hypocrites. We might ask why. Why exactly are they being hypocritical? A hypocrite is someone who says one thing and does another, right? Uh, These people, however, they give, and then they let other people know that they are giving, They pray, and they let other people know that they are praying. They fast, and they let other people know that they are fasting. We might kind of, in a way, even wonder if this isn't them being transparent. Why exactly is it hypocritical, as Jesus calls it? This is why. It is hypocritical because in their giving, and in their praying, and in their fasting, they are communicating devotion and love of God. That's what those things mean praying, fasting, giving to the needy, communicate devotion and love of God. But in fact, why are they doing this? They are doing it to receive praise. This is the hypocritical heart. Uh, In in giving to the poor, they are communicating to others that they are storing up treasures in heaven, not on earth. But in fact, they are pursuing the treasure on earth that lies in the mouths of men. In praying, they are communicating that their desire is for intimacy with God. But in fact, they are pursuing the intimacy with the esteem of men. In fasting, they are communicating, I hunger for God more than my body hungers for food. And yet their true hunger is for the approval of men. You see, in reality, the one who practices righteousness before others in order to be seen by them does one thing and says another. They honor God with their lips, 
but their hearts are far from them. This is the very core of the issue. The hypocritical heart does not practice God's ways to get more of God. The hypocritical heart instead uses God's ways to advance its own reputation. Instead of giving and praying and fasting so that the fame of the Lord may spread in the land according to his design, the hypocrite uses these things to extend and embellish his own reputation and his own fame. For a heart motivated by the praise of men, Jesus gives a stern warning. We see here in this passage. Of the one who practices righteousness before others in order to be seen by them, Jesus says, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Why? Because, as the passage states, they have already received their reward. They've already received it in full. For the hypocrite, who, along, who all along has been aiming for the approval of men, Jesus says, you have your reward. You have gained the approval of men, and that is all you receive. For the, hip, for the hypocrite, this story is, chilling, is a chilling and devastating success story. They got what they wanted, but they have none of God. You see, Jesus cares deeply about the heart. He cares about us living out our faith for him and not for others. You know, a, a penetrating question I think we can ask ourselves when we're reflecting on our lives and, 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 and meditating on why it is we do that we do, um, a question you can ask yourself is, if nobody else sees my good works, is God's sight alone enough for me? Is knowing that God sees what I do sufficient for me? Or do I need to seek approval outside of that? From this passage, it seems that Jesus is far more concerned with why you are doing what you are doing than he is concerned with the logistics. True religious practice does not look like practice that is hypocritically motivated by the praise of men. We've seen then now what true religious practice does not look like. What does it look like? This brings us to point two. The passage says the following in regard to giving. Jesus says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. For praying, he says, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus' vision of true religious practice, true, true devotion and service of God stands in stark contrast to the practice of the hypocrites. Jesus desires his followers not to practice their faith in a way that is intended to attract men's approval but rather to practice their faith in a way that is intended to be seen by God alone. Repeatedly, Jesus emphasizes here that whether it is giving, praying, fasting, or whatever else, that we should make a concentrated effort to do these things in secret, not flaunting flaunting them before others. Now, I think when we read Jesus' instructions here to practice these things in secret, 
we might be inclined to think that Jesus is perhaps calling his disciples to a kind of separatism or a kind of separation from the world or perhaps a quietism that just keeps religious practice in, the own, in our own personal space. I think this is not, however, what is in view here. I think this because of what is stated earlier in chapter 5. Uh, directly before this passage, it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It is clear from this that that Christ is calling his disciples to a deep engagement with the world. Uh, Christ calls us to do our works before others even so that they may see and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. How then do we fit these two things together though? It seems that while we are to do our good works before others, so that others may see and glorify God, we are not to do them for others. It seems to me that the primary purpose of this passage in saying that we are to do these things in secret is to say that that we should practice our faith without regard for any gaze but the gaze of God. We should do it without concern for any esteem but the esteem of God, and we should do it without seeking any validation other than the validation of God. I'd like to spend a moment now just fleshing out uh, and talking about what it might look like for uh, a community of people who all kind of understand and get and are, are grabbed by a desire to do all things for God and not for others. A community that collectively desires to do their good work for God alone and not the praise of men. What would such a community look like? I think there's, there's many things to, to be said here, um, but I want to just highlight a few. Um, such a community, I think, would be characterized by people who are not concerned with, rec- with receiving credit for everything that they do. I think we often are inclined to do this, but to understand that our validation comes from God fully is not to always be seeking credit for ourselves. In fact, I think it would look like gladly giving credit away. It looks like a community that gladly gives credit for other people's participation and contributions uh, and does not desire to steal attention for themselves. I think likewise, it would look like a community full of people who are eager to serve behind the scenes. Um, and in my experience, I think, I think when I see people really starting to get and understand the gospel of the grace of God, this is one of the things I see. Eager to serve behind the scenes without credit, without recognition, uh, so, that, so as not to be pursuing the, the, the approval of men, but simply because of God's delight. I think another thing it looks like when we understand that, that, that we live for God's delight and not others' approval is that we are eager and willing and happy to walk in honesty. We are happy to be honest with one another, not needing to protect our reputations. But we can be broken. Uh, we can be imperfect. And indeed, we can even boast in our weaknesses. I think another thing it looks like, um, a community that understands and grasps, grasps the validation that comes from God alone, is, is a group of people who are constant in good work. People who do not work hard only when others are watching, 
and are not easily discouraged by slanderers, nor are easily encouraged by flatterers, but instead are constant in their good works because of the constant validation that is theirs in Christ. I could go on, but these are just a a few aspects, I think, of a community that, that seeks not the approval of men, but simply the approval of God. If we're honest with ourselves, though, as we paint this picture and examine our own hearts, we know that we do not do this perfectly. Far from it, in fact. Uh, We know that we do not live solely for the glory of God often. But we are often enslaved by the fear of men. We are often trapped by our deep-felt need for men's validation. Is this not why we, in conversation perhaps, we're, we're quick to mention those things that make us look good? Maybe you find yourself doing this even in subtle ways, and dismissing those things that might make us look less impressive. Um, we often are concerned about what others think about us. And yet if this is our driving motive and what we do, Jesus says that, our, that we will have no reward from our Heavenly Father. This is a deep concern. What do we do about this? What do we do about this problem? This brings us to point three. The reward that motivates true religious practice. The reward that motivates serving service for God alone. You'll note that in each section of the passage read tonight ends with a a little phrase, a little verse that says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What is this reward for doing things in secret for God alone? What is it that surpasses the satisfaction of the praise of men that might genuinely motivate us towards true Godward living? Well, I think we see one thing that it is not, and that is by the the passage that comes afterwards. Um, It is not material possessions. The reward we get for religious devotion is not material possessions. The next section says... um, that we are to not lay up treasures on earth, but rather treasures in heaven. If it is not material possessions, what perhaps does this reward mean? What is it that we are rewarded with by doing these things in secret? Earlier we see um, that reward in this passage uh, means to receive the object that we seek after. I think this is pretty clear from what is referred to with the hypocrites. The hypocrites seek after the praise of men, and what is their reward? They get what they receive. I think in this passage, if we follow that parallelism through, what we find is that the reward for those who seek God is actually God himself. Why do we pray? Why do we give? Why do we fast? Why do we do these things? So that we might get more of God. This is the reward that is so precious And I think until we understand this reward, until we understand that by doing these things we can know more deeply and more truly the unconditional favor that rests on us because of Christ, we will have no strength, we will have no power to resist the temptation to live for the validation of others. Until we know that God in Christ unconditionally delights in us, and until we have tasted that delight, we will not have the slimmest chance of practicing true religion. 
There is no way that we will be freed from the slavery of the opinion of others until we know that Jesus Christ, who was perfect for us, who perfectly upheld this, this law, who perfectly lived for God and not for others, until we know that he on the cross took upon himself our sin and dying with it rose again so that we might know the approval of God forever. Until we know this, until we know the approval of God that rests firmly upon us because of Christ, we will not be able to be motivated to truly pursue God, to truly do works of righteousness that are for God alone and not for others. Um, You see, the reward of giving, of praying, and fasting is getting more of God himself, enjoying him more deeply, knowing him more intimately. It is knowing more deeply and tasting more fully his smile upon our life. A smile that does not rest upon us because of what we have done or not done and or all of our failures that uh, would never merit his smile. But it is a smile upon our life that rests upon us because when God looks upon us who are in Christ, he indeed sees Christ's righteousness for us. The reward is that God sees us. God extends his presence to us. The reward of prayer is that we get to, in fact, commune with God and know God. The reward of fasting is that we do, indeed, get to hunger after God and be satisfied. The reward of giving is that we get to depend more fully on God in this life as we store up treasures in heaven and reflect his glory through our generosity. But what motivates all this? Again, it's knowing that God approves of us in Christ, that God's validation rests on our life. And when we know that, we praise Christ and we are eager to do good works for him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We thank you for this uh, teaching. Lord, we thank you for uh, who you are in Christ for us. Lord, we thank you that you do call us to pray, to fast, um, to give to the needy, Lord. Um, But you do it because you desire us to know you more intimately. Uh, We thank you that we are justified before you not by our own works and our own deeds, but indeed because your perfect son lived the perfect life, died for us, so that we might not know the rejection he experienced on the cross, but that we might know approval forever uh, as a child of God. We thank you for this, Lord, and we pray that you would be working ever more deeply in our hearts, uh, stirring us up to do good deeds uh, before others, but not for others, that others might glorify you. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.